I'm sorry to say that right now in the world of Apple and Apple News, it's kind of a really slow time. And I don't want to say abnormally slow because this is usually when things are pretty slow. It's sort of in the lull between the spring event and WWDC. But Matt, does this time of year, at least 2022, did it, does it not feel more dead and um, desolate in the world of Apple room, uh, rumors? Well, not even Apple rumors specifically, just like sort of tech in general um, than most years. Yeah, and I think that's just the state of the world is just kind of that's how things are right now. You can't expect too much. But also, I think part of it is just we got the rumors for the iPhone so early that usually we'd be seeing them right now, but we kind of know everything and everything we hear about the iPhone is making it worse. So it's like, it just feels lame and everything else is. That's true. It's like every, <laughs> every new rumor sort of is like a downgrade. It's like no big design change, no big change with the notch. And I think there's like a little bit of news this week, which we'll get into um, and some more confirmation on the iPhone 16. But first, before that, of course, we always love to hear from you guys, your thoughts, your feedback, your questions. we got a couple of interesting questions that we'll dive into in a moment. But first, the number, 949-354-3508. Did I say that right? Let me t- try that again. Yeah, you got it. 949 949- 354-3508. Uh, that is the number you can call us. You can text us. We'd love to hear from you guys. And it also helps us fill some uh, time uh, in weeks like this one where there's not a whole lot to talk about. So we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, text that number. You can also leave a comment on the YouTube channel, which is the Apple Circle Podcast. You can also tweet us. We're the Apple Circle on Twitter. Um, so Matt, let's, I guess, let's start with these questions. The first one here, which I thought was really interesting and one that I had not thought about for a while, and I don't know who the name of this person was, but they asked if it was a good idea to put a screen protector on a MacBook Pro. And it's interesting that you ask this unnamed person because not so long ago, there was that whole issue where people were putting stickers over the webcam on the top of their MacBook Pros and it was damaging the screen. And I remember there was like that whole like Apple, I think even Apple said something like, do not do this and it's going to damage your screen. So that this was an interesting question to start with, which is, should you do it and is it safe to do it? I have... Personally, maybe Matt, you've done this. I've never put a screen protector on the MacBook Pro, though I understand why you'd want to do it. Maybe you want a privacy film or a matte anti-glare film. I think that as long as it's thin enough that it's not going to disrupt the closing mechanism and making sure that the seal is okay and there's no bumps or protrusions, uh, you're probably good to do it. Um, but to just keep in mind that if there is any misalignment or issues there, like really any misalignment, you run the risk of uh, damaging the screen. Uh, Matt, have yep. you ever put a screen protector on your MacBook Pro? I, I feel like I maybe have, but I really can't remember. So I'm going to say no, I have not. Um, and yeah, no, that's pretty much all All you really need to consider is basically the tolerances are so small for the for the screen and for when, when it's closed. So the keyboard, the screen, the glass, they all have to come to like a complete sandwich. And the tolerances are just so low there that if you have something that's a little thicker than maybe... Like it's thicker than you think it is, then it actually touches and creates a unnecessary wear and flex. And yeah, people were breaking their screens because of that. But I think a screen protector should probably be fine because those are really thin. One of those camera covers usually have like the um, the like a uh, door that you can open and slide, so that protrudes quite a bit more. So I think that's what the issue was for a screen protector. It should be fine, but yeah, I haven't really done it. I've done it on. I know we recently both got the same screen protector on our phone. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name now, but basically it's like eight bucks. It's I a love, matte screen protector. Love you still have it? screen protector. I love it. It's on there now. I it was so nice too because they like have this little pamphlet and they're like a lot of things. It's like oh, if you mess up the install, which I did, like just email their <laughs> customer service agent and then they'll like send a new one. And it was cool. Was that I thought like okay, 
I'm going to email them. It's going to take forever to get a response. Then they're going to like ship me one from overseas and it's going to take like six weeks or whatever. Uh, but actually, I, to my surprise, they responded really fast. I gave them my address and then they just Amazon delivered me one. Like they just sent another order through Amazon and I got it like the next day. And I, I love this thing for like eight bucks. Like Matt said, it does a really good job of repelling fingerprints. It's really smooth. It fits on there really nicely. And I, I really like it. Like, I think it's like the best eight bucks I've spent in like the whole 2022. So highly recommend that yep. one. We will leave a link yep. to that down below because I know we didn't last time and people got mad. So we will make sure this time there's a link down below in the description uh, or wherever you're watching. If you're not watching the video in the description, wherever you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> there'll be a link to that screen protector. Yeah, I got to go pick another one of those up. I had one and then I like my phone went between the seats in the car and when I pulled it out, it had a crack in the in the screen protector, which I guess it did its job. The screen protector protected the screen, uh, but I had to take it off. I got I got to try that again. But well, I guess we never mentioned why we like this one so much. One, it's matte, but the notch cutout is not matte, but it's still glass, if that makes sense. So usually a screen protector will like just do a full cutout and there's nothing there. This has glass there to protect the face ID cutout, but it's just takes the matte texture away and it I, I love it it's great did you say that was i not paying attention uh i don't know if i got that specific but you you covered the base <laughs> it's, right. it's good it's a really it's that's, a good that's why it's so cool yeah good screen protector um so that's that the other question we got which is another interesting one which was from someone who is asking about the apple watch they're curious about the apple watch they want to buy one but you know the million dollar question now of course like everything is do i wait to see what happens this fall what are the current rumors on the apple watch series 8 should I buy one now? Then which one should I go with? So we can give a little uh, mini buyer's uh, guide and some advice here on what Apple Watch to go with. I'll say that, generally speaking, um, the Apple Watch SE, if it's your first Apple Watch, is basically perfect. The only issue is with the always-on display. And I know Matt and I differ from this. I love the always-on display, and after having it, I could not go back to a watch without it. But I know for you, Matt, and maybe your opinion has changed over the course of the last few months. Uh, you didn't really mind the, well, it was like, what was, what did that move was called? Kind of the raise the wrist move, raise to wake, where you just the would raise flip. your wrist and it would open up and you'd see the screen and then when it go down, it went to sleep. Um, do you still love the always on display or do you not mind it so much or have your thoughts on that sort of change? Because that's really mainly the big difference. And we'll get into some of the other stuff between Apple Watch SE and um, Series 7, 8, whatever the flagship model is. Yeah, I'm pretty much still thinking the same way. The always-on display is nice, but I just don't really notice it that much because when I'm actually using the watch, well, I'm looking at it and the screen turns on. When I'm not looking at it, well, I don't really care if it's on or off. Has there been occasions where it's come in handy to not have to flip my wrist? I'm sure, I'm, sh I'm sure it has, but eh, I, it's a take it or leave it for me still. I actually would say this, you're you're definitely not going to agree with this. I would actually say that if I had to choose between the bigger screen size of the Series 7 or Always On, I'll take this bigger screen size. Wow. I know you're not going to agree with that. No, I, after <laughs> having different Apple Watch versions, the Always On is such a big deal for me. I don't know what it is. I think it's just sort of glancing down. And especially when I was like a student in class and like I couldn't have a laptop out or something, we just sort of nice to like glance down and see what the time was. Like it was just super convenient. Now it's like, I, now that I have it, I don't want to go back to the alternative. So that's a big deal. The bigger question, though, is I will say regardless of which model you go with, I really wouldn't buy any Apple Watch right now because yeah. everything's going to get refreshed to some degree. Even if you don't go with the higher end Series 8, which is looking like it's not going to be a huge upgrade over the Series 7, 
even if you go Apple Watch SE, there is still going to be a new version of that. So sort of I would put a pause on anything because everything is going to get some degree of an upgrade, even if it's just minor stuff. If you're sort of already going to spend the money now, I would just wait and get the latest and greatest because we know it's coming this fall as opposed uh, to some of this other stuff when we just don't know what's going to come. So that'd be my general advice. Even though there's not a whole lot of stuff that's supposed to change with the uh, Series 8 and the SE2, uh, I would just sort of wait now if you can just because we know that's coming in September. Yeah, and I guess this person is asking, should they wait until later this year? They, also, they know that the new ones are coming in the fall. So if you're looking to buy in the fall or you're okay with waiting that long, definitely wait. But if you're worried about there not being changes, or then I don't know if it's worth waiting like another year for the Apple Watch. I think if you're good if you're good to wait until the fall, then wait. But if you're gonna be waiting like a whole other year, no, just no, no, either no. wait till the fall to get the eight or get the watch now, because I think you'll like both. Um, do they still sell the Series 3? I can't remember if that was discontinued they, or not. They do right okay. now, but they do will not, not in the uh, fall, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully they won't in the fall, but do not buy the Series 3. SE or 7, that's it. And I will say, uh, maybe Robert, you will agree or disagree with this, but I will say, if you have the money, splurging for a little nicer material is, it's nice. I will say that. Now, from your question, maybe it seems like you don't have an Apple Watch currently. So at that point, just get whatever, whatever you can. I think you'll be happy with it. But if you already have one, splurging for a little bit of a nicer material like i went with stainless steel it's a little bit more expensive granted but i love it i i think that's why i like this watch a lot more than i was maybe expecting to every year i say i'm gonna do it and then i see the price and i'm like i just can't do it i, know, I think next painful. year i want series eight for me it's gonna be whatever the redesign is that's what i want to do and that's why i was like so excited for the series seven it was gonna be crazy and different i will say though the only advantage is I do like the like green that they did this year on the green sports yeah. model. So uh, I will say we've talked about this before. Apple Watch is fantastic. Also, speaking of Series 3, we've talked about this before, but it is worth reiterating. The Series 3 falls into a category of Apple products that you should never, ever, ever, ever consider buying. <laughs> There's a Series 3 Apple still sells. There's the Apple TV HD, which has a super slow processor. It's like really old and it's like... $20 difference in the 4K, like whatever the price difference is, you're way better off going with the Apple TV 4K. Uh, any Intel Mac that they still sell, I would really avoid buying an Intel Mac because Apple's already said they're on their way out and the performance of the M1, the price difference usually isn't that much, if really anything. And the M1 is so much better in so many ways than the Intel Mac. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else Apple sells that you shouldn't buy. Um, uh, can you think of anything? The Apple besides- TV HD. We, I mentioned that. Oh, I, I must not be paying attention today. Um, I'm trying to think. Hmm. Uh, they, Those they are really definitely have, the big ones. They've Those done a good job clearing out the lineup, and they've also really updated a lot of stuff. I mean, there are things that like, oh, you shouldn't buy this because a new model is coming. That's a separate category. But these are products that are like still being sold and like labeled like as quote-unquote new that you just shouldn't buy because they're a terrible value. Um, so maybe Apple sort of... Maybe that's it. Maybe that's sort of all they have left. But those are just a couple of words of wisdom. Don't buy some of those things because um, they're just not worth buying, especially at their price. Yeah. Even if they were discounted, I still wouldn't buy them because like Series 3, like it's got an old design. A lot it's, of apps yeah, aren't even it. supporting that screen size anymore. And that's those um, that resolution. And it's just there's many reasons to avoid an Apple TV HD. Oh, just don't <laughs> don't bother. Don't bother. Well, it's not be, it's not even because it's a bad product. It's just the price of it. If the price was like 50 bucks, then go for it. It's still decent if you don't care about 4K. But it's because like for just a little bit more, you can get the 4K version 
even if you don't have a 4K TV, it's still better value to get that one just for future proofing at the very least. So yeah, there's, yeah, like you said, there's a few things Apple makes that just even because, even if you are saving a little money, it's still not worth it. Um, but I guess that kind of is a good transition into our, our next topic, which uh, is our the biggest failed Apple products. Maybe not ever, but at least in recent memory, some of the, the, the recent ones that we can think of. And kind of what sparked this is there was a story talking about the original HomePod, which has been discontinued. They don't sell the original HomePod anymore. And uh, basically, now that it's discontinued, it's actually appreciating in value. Um, and I can kind of attest to this because I have... So I finally bit the bullet and bought the last HomePod that I... Jesus. Sorry about that. <laughs> Should we leave that in? Jeez, leave it in. Loud. That's a pro tip. I always <laughs> I go in like to the settings and like turn off emergency alerts because I've been in that scenario where it's like, trying I don't to die hear my or phone what? Blaring. No. Yeah. No, I want to hear these. I want to see these. There's a uh there's a tan Ford Explorer. Someone took a child. All right, well hopefully that all uh hopefully that all uh, works itself out. Sorry about that. That scared me so bad. Um basically I have a HomePod, so I needed one more HomePod to complete the experience because where we moved is three stories, which is like, it's a pain when it comes to like outfitting a room because usually in my old apartment, I just had one HomePod for the entire place and it worked. Now I need like one for each level, but basically I need another one. And I was debating, should I buy a used original HomePod because I love the way it sounds. I think the sound quality is significantly better than the mini, which makes sense because it's so much bigger. I think it's great. Obviously it's discontinued, so it's not like the best financial decision because who knows how long they're gonna be supporting it. But I was going back and forth, but every time I looked it up, it was always almost as expensive as it was when it was new. And I just, that just didn't seem worth it. Again, for something that could be non, like the support could go away anytime. That just didn't seem like a good idea. So I did end up buying another HomePod mini and it's it's working great. So now I have the whole house surround system, which is awesome. But that just, yeah, it's interesting that this product failed, but it seems like now people are actually kind of wanting them and like maybe appreciating the HomePod a little more. I know um, when it first came out, really the issue was just the price. I think it came out in a weird time where the Amazon Echo, the Google Home, or I guess now the Nest, um, uh, they were just so cheap for the mini versions of those. The Echo, what do they call the small one? Echo Dot? Echo Dot. The Echo Dot and the Nest Mini, those were either free with your purchase of something else or they were like 30 bucks. Um, so, I mean, they were just ubiquitous. You can get them anywhere and they were so cheap that that's just kind of what people thought of as a smart speaker. So when Apple released the original HomePod for $350, it just didn't make much sense at the time, even though the sound quality was great and it did, you know, basically all the same stuff the HomePod does now as a product. I think it's okay. It's just so, so expensive, but yeah. And I think that's, I don't know. Let's, let me get your opinion on that first. And then we'll talk about the future of the HomePod. I'm just looking right now when the Amazon Echo was released. So that was 2014. So the HomePod came out in 2018. And Matt made excellent points that I think are all true. And there was like a lot that contributed to the HomePod's fall. There wasn't really a rise in there. Maybe there's a fall and a rise now. but <laughs> The rise came um, now, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Amazon, like you said, they had a big lead on this at least four years they were, Amazon took the approach of it like, look, like we're just going to give these away. And like, even now, not so much now, but especially a couple of years ago, um, if you bought like anything, it's like, oh, here's a free home uh, Echo Dot. Here's a free Echo Show. And Amazon did a couple of things right. They gave them away 
basically, if not giving it away with products, they price them competitively, like really well, like 30 bucks, 50 bucks, like very um, affordably priced. They were good enough sounding for most people. They were pretty easy to use. They had a very good virtual assistant and it came in a variety of different form factors. So it wasn't just one speaker, it was, and now they have a bunch. There's the Echo Show with the screen, there's the Echo Dot, there's the circular one, there's the big one, there's the one for cars, there's the one for um, houses with receivers and speakers. They've done a great job of really putting Alexa and those smarts in everything. So that's where Amazon, that's the approach they took and it did really well. Apple said, well, we're going to focus more on sound quality and um, high fidelity music and stuff like that, which was great. But what they had going against them was they were late to the party, 2018, and most people already had some sort of smart speaker by then. Um, the price was a lot, especially when you could bet it, pick up an Echo Dot for like 30 bucks. Why would you pay $350 for the speaker? Um, there was also the issue of, I think when it first launched, I think it's different now, but when it first launched, I'm sure it was just Apple Music, which not a lot of people had, and so a lot of people don't have. Um, and then the virtual assistant, Siri, is just not known for being great. And then even, I don't know when it launched, I just haven't gotten too much into the HomeKit stuff, but if you were serious about smart home stuff, it was just way easier to go outside the Apple ecosystem and go with um, a Google Assistant or an Echo just because there were so many more devices that work with that. So whether you were going into, whether you were looking for a smart speaker for price or you're looking for smart home smarts or a virtual assistant, there were just too many reasons to not choose the HomePod. And I think that's why it ultimately just was sort of a, a fail um, because Apple just couldn't make it successful. Now the HomePod mini is successful now because of the price and things have gotten better. Um, but that HomePod just, just was the wrong product at the wrong time at the wrong price with the wrong limitations. And uh, now um, it seems like not only are they not making them anymore, but it seems like a lot of people have so many issues with them because they're like incredibly unreliable and they just stop working over time. Have you had issues with yours? Cause I know, I think um, Michael Detroit Borg posted today, actually he did a tweet that like he said seven home pods and they've all failed all those original home pods. Yeah, I, I had heard that, um, or I, I saw that tweet also, and I heard that some people were having issues with them. Mine still works fine. I only have one original HomePod. Still works fine. I did have an issue, which I think was just an internet connection issue back in my old place where it would lo it was just disconnect from the internet all the time. I never replaced it or anything, but now in this new place, it's never had that issue. So yeah, so far, great. Sounds awesome still. Um, still connects. No issues with it so far. And my minis are all still working perfectly fine as well. So maybe I've been lucky. I haven't really had that many of the original HomePod, so it's not like I can do any tests or anything like that. But you know, it's working fine for me. But that's another question though. It's, you know, it's a first generation product. You never know how long those are gonna last. Not being supported, that's one area, but just physically, how long are they gonna last? You just never know. I still have the dream. I still wanna get, well, now it's a little, it's hard because one of the cool things about uh, the Apple ecosystem was that you could use HomePods as speakers for the Apple TV, which I'd love to do. Mm -hmm. But now, does it gonna is it gonna sound all that good with HomePod Minis, or do I have to nope. go on eBay well, and find the full HomePods? So I I use the HomePod Mini in our bedroom for our bedroom TV, and that is more than good enough for that situation to replace a soundbar. Um, are you getting the rich bass? No, but if I was buying a soundbar, I probably wouldn't get one with a sub anyway. So it's very similar. I've had soundbars that sound worse than the HomePod mini sounds. So in the bedroom for that situation, just, you know, watching TV at night or whatever, great. 
in the basement where we set up our little like home theater setup, I have yet to get a, a real speaker system just because I just don't want to set it up, honestly. And it's just like kind of a pain um, of doing like a 7.1 or a 5.1 surround sound system, which I do want to do. It's just it's on the list. So in the meantime, instead of, again, using a sound bar and spending money on that, I had the HomePod. So that's where the, the original HomePod is set up. And that sounds pretty good. Now, I'm only using one. I have also debated buying a second one and that just being my speaker system. The, the thing that you'll miss out on if you're really looking for like a home theater experience is the low end. There's not that much bass. It's still pretty good, more than enough for, you know, your drama, drama shows on Netflix or something like that. But if you're, you know, really want to get that action movie surround sound system set up, the HomePod's not really going to do it, but it does work great. And that's what I use every day for watching TV, both in the bedroom and in uh, for our main TV setup. So obviously for those uh, really picky people who want their perfect home theater setup, obviously not. But if you're more casual, which I am right now, my TV sucks. Like I need a new TV. Like my, my home theater setup is, is a mess right now. So if, if I was going to go all out, this is not what I would choose. But since I have it, it works great. I still regret not going like remember when home pods were like on like fire sale like target and best buy you can get them for like what, 250 300 bucks yep. like, I wish they were I always on sale should have done it because now they're an appreciating asset just like yeah just crazy. like uh tesla yeah just like tesla you get, get more money who would have thought yeah i know things. elon was right he was right all <laughs> along um so next on the list let me pull up my list here um we've got another failed apple product and that is i know sad for a lot of people it's the mini iPhone. So the 12 mini and the 13 mini, because next year there will not be a mini iPhone, which I actually think is a, probably a good thing. And there are many reasons why I think that the iPhone 14 Max, that thing is going to sell like hotcakes. But before we get to that, 12 mini and 13 mini. So Matt, let me ask you this. What is the main reason for the 12 and 13 minis downfall? Is it the price? Is it that the screen is too small? Is it because people couldn't hold them in their hands when they came out during the pandemic? People had to buy them sight unseen so they didn't go with it. Was it because the 13 was just worth the extra 100 bucks instead of the Mini? Why do you think the 12 Mini and 13 Mini, what went wrong there? And what went so wrong that Apple is discontinuing the Mini line that people wanted for so long? Yeah, I think this is a case of Twitter wants it. <laughs> the internet wants it, but real people don't want it. I think you're completely right that the 14, the rumored 14 Max with this 6.7 inch screen is going to be like the best selling iPhone ever. I would not be surprised if that's the case because I think people just want bigger phones. I am not in that camp. I don't want a bigger phone. I want a really well-sized phone and as small as that can be. So like basically if I can get all the features, I want that in the smallest package possible. Um, that's just me though. And that's what a lot of people on the internet were saying. That's why people were saying to bring back the SE when they first did that. And I mean, online, you would think it's going to be the most popular phone ever. And I think we kind of talked about this back when it was first released that I think people say they want it, but they don't actually want it. Um, and the reason for that, I mean, there's probably a few things. I don't think it's because of the screens. Well, I do think it's because of the screen size, but I think it's because people want bigger screens. So that's one. I also think that if they had like a iPhone 13 Pro mini, there'd be a lot more people that were into that because I think people that buy the Pro 
are more into this kind of stuff anyway. So maybe those enthusiasts that are on Twitter, always talking about wanting a smaller phone, they would opt for that version instead of opting for the 13 Pro like uh, you and I did because we want these features, but we also don't want the max phone, right? Um, I don't think you'd go to the uh, the mini, but I would definitely go to the mini if I had all these features. I also think there's probably something to be said about battery life. I know that's something people really care about. And initially when the 12 came out, I don't know if you could really say that the battery life was bad. Like, let me rephrase that. Like if you're buying it sight unseen, there's no way to know if the battery life was going to be bad. But now we know the battery life is not that great on these smaller models. So I don't think people are going to want those. I think it's just all those things come together to make it not that much of a appealing case, especially like you said, a hundred bucks more, you get the bigger version, all the same features, but then you have better battery life. You got a bigger screen, all those things. It just, I think it was one of those things that maybe, maybe even Apple just wanted it. Maybe there's some people <laughs> high up in Apple that wanted this phone to exist and it just doesn't work. <laughs> it's interesting because I don't know if like they thought that maybe because of the iPhone SE's success that, oh, people like that phone because it's small, not because it's cheap, which I think really people like because it it's cheap, not because it's small. Yeah, I agree. Um, but also Apple, they don't really make products for just the enthusiasts, uh, especially when it comes to the iPhone. I mean, there's a nice array of features and some options, but like, I feel like the amount of people I see on tech Twitter who like this is such a small sample size that that probably represents that most people wouldn't want this phone. It's an enthusiast phone, which is nice. And like there's companies that exist, especially on the Android side, to give you like an enthusiast phone, like the Asus, what is it, the ROG gaming phone. ROG, like yeah. that's an enthusiast phone that they probably know not many people are going to buy, but it's made for a specific subset of people. Apple doesn't typically do that. They usually try to have sort of a one-size-fits-all approach most of the time. Uh, so that's why I thought this was so interesting. And I wonder why... Uh, their guidance and their um, testing on this went so poorly um, because this seemed like just not meant for the average consumer because especially when you look at the prices, for $100 more, you're getting a bigger screen, better battery life, and I think really for most people, they want the bigger screen. Maybe for like teens and enthusiasts, the smaller the better, that's great, but I think that most people like my parents grandparents, aunts and uncles, everybody wants the largest screen possible, which is why the 14 Max makes a ton of sense and something Apple should have done a while ago. So I just, um, I know people love the Mini, but it just it's, it makes too much sense not to keep it around than to keep it around another year and just have more sort of poor performance uh, in terms of sales. Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to know why Apple made it to begin with, because like you said, they don't just make phones for whatever category exists. They make them based on what's going to sell. So and they obviously do their research. So I'm wondering what they saw behind the scenes that made this phone make sense for two generations. There, there had to be something. Like, could it just be bragging rights that this is the smallest uh, 5G phone in the world? Like, nah, it can't be that. That's that's silly. Well, um, even, even now with know, the iPhone SE, it's coming out that, oh, maybe that phone's not actually selling as well as we thought. <laughs> right. Right. And then also, I mean, it is pandemic season so like that maybe maybe there was a case for it before all this happened but just things messed up you know that's possible too it could could be that their their information was good but things just changed like maybe people well here's a here's a, a, a thing to maybe back that up a little bit is when so the 12 came out when when 2020 2020 yeah yeah so 2020 obviously in development well before that so in 2020 we're mid-pandemic People are at home using their phones a lot more. 
And why do I need a mini phone when I'm at home? The whole point of a mini is that it fits in my pocket when I'm going out and about, I don't even notice it's there. So at home, I actually want like a really big screen. That's why I use my iPad. That's why I use, I, behind me, I have the Galaxy Fold. These are big experiences that I don't mind using because I'm sitting at home. Maybe if there was a world where everyone was still hustle and bustle everywhere going around, maybe it would sell a little bit better. But I, I don't know, the 13 came out and we're still kind of in that, it, it wasn't quite as much, but we were still kind of in that mindset. Maybe if it came out in like two years or let's say two years ago, Maybe it would be better, or three years ago, I guess. Well, that's the thing I had heard, too. I forgot who said this, but someone said, well, with the Mini, for a lot of people, this is a totally new form factor and totally new size. This is something that people need to go to a store and feel with their hands and pick up and sort of compare, because with other stuff, you sort of know what to expect. And maybe because of the pandemic and stores being closed, that people couldn't go into the store and see what it was like. So when they had to get a new phone sight unseen and just click on the website, they said, oh, I, you know, mini, mini could either be good or bad. You could think, oh, mini, it's going to be small. It's going to be great. I'm going to love it. Or it's like, uh, maybe it's going to be too small. Let me just go with the 13 or the 12 just to be safe. I, I'm so curious to see what happened and like what the numbers proved because I'm sure Apple knows exactly what caused uh, the downfall of this phone and this model. Um We'll never know, but uh, definitely yeah. not not a raging success like the other models. Yep, yep. No, and it's it's sad. I had the iPhone 12 for a long time. I actually just recently sold it. I got like 500 bucks for it or something, like something crazy. I was like, I'm surprised I got that much for it. But yeah, I, the Mini is out of my life. I don't think it's coming back anytime soon. Even though I liked having it, it just didn't make much sense. Like I said, I want these features from the Pro, but I couldn't get them in me. So yeah. I'm sad, but we'll see how, I think from Apple's perspective, at least the iPhone 14 max is going to, uh, it's going to solidify that the mini is not needed. I think well, it's that's gonna be, the, it's, a nice way to say it. I'm interested too, because on one hand, this could sort of cannibalize pro max sales because I know a lot of people who yep. they, the, their biggest priority was give me the largest iPhone screen possible. Like my parents, they have the 10 S max, I guess it's sort of before the pro, but anyways, uh, the idea here is they want the biggest screen possible. So I think a lot of people were spending Pro Max money and probably never using Pro features where in this case here with the 14 Max, that's going to be perfect because it's going to give them exactly what they want without having to pay the price for the other stuff. But also how many customers is Apple going to lose out on who would have gone Pro Max and spent that extra money just to have that larger display? I think that it's still going to even out. I think this is still the right move. And Apple's probably, they probably did the calculations and they're like, look, we're still going to make more money by having a Max version yeah. and the Pro Max and having a Mini and the Pro Max. Um, but I think that's going to be... I feel like I don't we'll have to see the numbers, but I feel like 14 Max, it's going to be like the best seller of 2022 and 2023 because that just makes so much sense. Yep. And I, yeah, I agree. I think you're right. There are going to be some people that don't buy the Pro Max because they can now get the regular Max. But I think that's going to more than even out and it's going to make a lot of sense. I think it's going to make a lot of sense. Whether or not we ever get those numbers, who knows? But I, I think they're going to do just fine with these 14 Max sales. Um you know what, let's just, since we're talking about iPhone, let's just get into the one piece of news that we got this week, which was, uh, eh, we'll, we'll just hit it real quick because it's not anything new. But basically, Ming-Chi Ming Kuo is doubling down saying, in 2024, with the iPhone 16, we are going to get a no-notch high-end iPhone. So basically, the Pro version, whatever that is at the time, no-notch uh, 
yeah. Anything else with that story? Nah, I just yeah. figured we hit it. Now nah, we and we talked about this before because there's there's like so little iPhone news. But hopefully, iPhone 16. That's the year that all the Face ID tech goes under the display, and you get no notch on the phone. So, interestingly enough, now you know why is Apple doing this pill hole shape thing? Is it because they needed some transition for the next two years, like something in between? Um, or is it because they just wanted to, they, this was in the cards all along? Like, I wonder if this was always intended to be a stopgap or if they intend this to run for two years. Um, or if they, I just wonder why, like, why not just leave the notch for another two years? Would that, well, I guess this does make the phones look a little, little bit more modern and a little bit more, um, well, I guess besides modern, I mean, when you have Samsung and other competitors and like the Android side of things, like taking away the notch and doing all this stuff under the display, the notch on the iPhone continues to look dated. I just wonder why they went down this road of, okay, we're going to keep the notch. Then we're going to make it 20% smaller. Then we're going to shrink it down to this. Then we're going to remove it. It just sort of seems like a weird path to go down. Why not just sort of accelerate things and just go from the notch to no notch? Why have this really ugly, like weird double hole punch thing? Or why not at least have one hole punch and then move to nothing? It just seems like sort of a weird uh, stopgap for the 14 and the 15. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it really might have something to do with the fact that the the 14 that's coming up is just going to not look any different. So they're like, well, let's just do this. And I think from a manufacturing standpoint, it's not any harder. I think, you know, we've had plenty of phones with cutouts. What's the difference of making two cutouts? I don't think it's that different. I, I would even bet that the sensors that we have now are going to be in basically the same spot as when uh, they they release it with the cutout. But instead of a notch, it's just got to have screen pixels around it. So I think that's the main reason. Like, I think it's not very hard for them to do and it will look different. So it's something to add to the 14 because there's not much that's going to be added. And then hopefully from then on, I mean, could we see... This is tough. Could we see if we're if 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 the iPhone 16, according to Ming Chi Kuo, which he says he's doubling down, sure. if that's when we're going to see no notch, is that the main feature of the 16 because the redesign comes with the 15, or will we see our first four-year design cycle? What do you think? Well, fool me once, shame on <laughs> you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, probably, I'm going to guess after being fooled. I would not be surprised if Apple just keeps this current design again. And then the 16, we're talking no notch, we're talking the big redesign. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, too, is that, you know, Face ID, as far as we know, the hardware has not changed on there at all. It hasn't gotten faster. There have been software improvements that have made it more accurate and better, but like really nothing has changed. I wonder if the Face ID components at all this year or next year or in 16, with iPhone 16, if those will change at all. Like, I don't know what I'd want. Maybe the um, Face ID system would be faster. Maybe there's like a new layer of protection or security. I just wonder why we never got any new Face ID features. And I'm not sure what Apple could add besides speed and stuff or like better like angle support. But Angles, I wonder why Face ID has never, it, it's, they've never changed it. Or at least they've never talked about changing it. Yeah, and I don't know why it takes them so long to implement some of these changes that they have done. Like, for instance, the mask support. I mean, let's be real here. We needed that day three yeah. of the yeah. pandemic, and we got it, and now there's no mask mandates, like, anywhere. So it's like, you know, people are obviously still still wearing masks, but it's like, we could have used that a year and a half ago, and we just barely got it now. Like, what took so long? I don't, I don't know why why that would take so long I, like I'd love is to know. programming for this just really that hard like the security behind it 
I mean, I must know that Apple must like have like a really stringent like test where like if it ha- if it's a greater uh, fail rate than point zero zero one percent, then they don't ship it out and goes in production. Right. Like I'm sure like there's a high bar there, but I'd love to know like what goes through the the internal meetings at Apple. It's like okay, so we're gonna sit down, we're gonna plan the next year of the, uh, the iPhone. What are we gonna prioritize? Um, we're gonna make this change. We're gonna make this change. Like I wonder how they decide when to sort of go more in some years and less others and like what the roadmap looks like, because I just don't know why when you have so much innovation happening on different companies and they're doing different things, why Apple can sometimes and love them or hate them for this, they move so slowly on things. And I know they're doing thing at, they're doing things at incredible scale and there's like a lot of moving parts, but why doesn't the design change or why don't they implement these new features? Like why does Apple feel the need to move so slow when they have so much time to do this stuff and some of the best engineers on the planet and all this money, why don't they just throw money at the problem and accelerate things? Why do they make so little changes year over year? I I don't get it. Yeah. And I guess my best guess for that is just, they run the numbers and it just doesn't make much sense. Like they know they're still going to sell millions of iPhones, whether the design is the same or the, or not sure. If the design is different, they're probably going to sell a little bit more, but does it outweigh the design and R and D costs for that? I mean, in my opinion, it's still worth it, but obviously they're a company first. So that's my best guess of why they don't make so many changes. Cause they just don't need to, there's no point. There's no financial incentive as a customer, that kind of sucks, but I think that's really the reason. And then I've also heard, I don't know how this is at Apple necessarily, but I'm, we're we're doing a Rivian video, which is a, uh, a truck, that uh, EV, that's a brand new company. And one of the things that during my research that I, I've heard is that at their company, all the different sections of the company, like so the powertrain, the interior, the software, the, you know, every single part of the company, they all talk to each other and they all work on the car together, which in a lot of companies, you don't really get that. I think Apple's a little better than most, but you know, let's say you're designing the Mac. Okay. Well, they don't necessarily talk to the face ID team to see if that could be implemented in the Mac, you know, like maybe they do, but I think that might be a reason for why some of these things are slow because the Mac team is working on one thing. The iPhone team is working on another. And I don't know how much cross talk there is between those things, which that just leads to things being slow. I think Apple's better than most companies, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of secrecy and things that are locked down. I wonder too, if like some of the drive has left Apple. And I don't want to mean that in a bad way because they're doing some great things, but like we heard the stories before that, like when Johnny Ive and Steve Jobs became fixated on something, it was designed first for better or worse. And they would literally have the design and they go to the engineers and say, make it work, make it work. And there's sort of like, we can't do this. It's going to be too hot. It's going to be this and that. And just like, that doesn't matter. This is what you have to do. This is the design we're going to go with. You have to build around the design and make the impossible possible. Now Apple seems a little bit more cautious and slow with things. And maybe they're like, well, let's do this or, well, let's not do this. Let's do that. I just, I don't want to, you know, Johnny Ive made some great decisions, but I also feel like he held Apple back in a lot of ways. So I don't think that Johnny Ive not being there is a bad thing, but I do wonder if there's still that push inside of Apple that used to be there, that drive to be like, we're going to do this, we're going to make it happen. And Apple still does some great things, but could they be doing even more if there was a little bit more of that aggressive influence to make some real change happen? And again, I have nothing, I don't know about this. I'm not an Apple employee, so I, I have no you know, ground to stand on here, but I just do wonder how the dynamics have changed internally. And if now with Johnny, I've gone, 
Apple's taking a more realistic approach to design and they're going, okay, let's not prioritize the design. Let's sort of have a nice mishmash of both design and functionality and sort of move in that direction. And maybe we don't need to move so fast. Maybe we don't need to have this crazy design. Maybe we just need to, you know, make these changes that people are going to like and that's the pace we can go with. Right. No, I think that's a good point because, you know, all the, all the stories we've heard about like the iPad or the iPhone, like we know that the reason, or at least this is the story, but it's about as good information as we have. So basically the story there was steep for the iPad, at least was Steve Jobs said, I want a multi-touch keyboard that I can type on. I want that. That's what I want. Uh, make it happen. Basically, of course, that wasn't possible at the time. And through their development, that's when the iPhone came out. That's led eventually to the iPad. But it's like that dream of something that doesn't exist, that maybe can't even exist right now. Do they still have that? And I am sure they do. I'm sure they do. It just maybe it doesn't translate quite as much as it used to to the products themselves. Like everything we get, we've talked about this before, but everything we are getting lately is an iteration of something that's existed for a decade. Is that a bad thing? No. The MacBooks and the Macs in general are better than they've ever been. The iPhone is the top phone still after all these years. The iPad, the design of the hardware has been out since 2018, but it's still probably the best hardware on the market for, well, definitely for any tablet, but even for you know any laptop or any computer or anything, really. it's The hardware is that good. So it's like, yes, we're iterating. The products are still great, but they're just there's nothing new. Maybe this the headset is what's going to change all that. Who knows? And that's the hope, too, is like maybe we just like haven't seen what's around the corner and Apple's is waiting. Because think about it, like we could sort of flip this narrative and say the same thing about the Mac a few years ago where the iPhone was getting all this attention. The iPhone 10 was amazing. iPad Pro in 2018. Whoa, major redesign. Wow. The Mac's looking horrible. It's outdated. It's old. <laughs> And Apple was working behind the scenes to do it. Maybe there's just like ebbs and flows with Apple. Where right now the Mac is in the spotlight, then it's going to be the iPhone and the iPad, and they're going to sort of flip-flop. Maybe that's sort of the direction we see in the next few years. Um, but it's true. I mean, we can't say Apple's not innovating because the Mac with Apple Silicon and these new Macs, they're great. And the display, and they're doing all these things. And that's really nice. It's just like now the iPhone and the iPad are kind of the forgotten stepchild in the corner. It's like, well, you're going to get a little crumb here and there, but we're not going to focus too much attention on you, which I'm sure is not the case. It just sort of seems that way yeah. as the outsider looking at these rumors and being like, man, so you had a whole year between the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 14, and the differences are going to be on the... Th I mean, just for example, differences between the iPhone 13 and iPhone 14, the base models. Um, maybe better battery life, but no, because the processor is going to be the same. Maybe some better camera stuff, but probably the main 48 megapixel sensor is only going to be for the Pro. Maybe some color differences. I mean, the differences between the 13 and the 14 are looking very minor. And that's why you go, yeah. what happened? Well, what happened here? Yeah. Like, what? Well, what's the plan, at least? Like, I can understand that you had a plan and it totally failed. But what was that plan? Because right now it doesn't seem like there is a plan. I don't know. It, it's Because even when we got the rumors of the the rumors that end up probably not being true from John Prosser back in the beginning of the year about this new completely redesigned iPhone even that was still rumors for the pro phone the regular phone was still not really rumored to be changing at all so yeah what's the plan here maybe i mean on one hand you could say well the iPhone is excellent there's no real need to update it and i agree with that there really isn't but it's like okay well then just don't update it we can wait two years then that's fine obviously as a company they can't really do that they're i'm sure their uh stock would tank if they suddenly just didn't release a new iphone but 
yeah, it, it's it's tough. And you know, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I think it might actually be the case still that Apple, even though they're a huge company, trillions of dollars, or at least worth trillions of dollars, and any engineer that they theoretically want, they could probably hire, they still just don't have the manpower to focus on every single product line as much as they need to. Like right now, like you said, the Mac is what's getting the focus. And maybe in two or three years, they're going to shift the focus back to the iPad or the iPhone or hopefully the watch. Like I'd love to see some crazy innovation with the watch because this has been the same forever. Um, you know, it's just maybe they just don't have the manpower to focus well, on everything the way we want them to. It's interesting, Matt, that you brought that up because I'm writing a video now trying to outline a video for the Apple Circle about the iPhone 14 being canceled and like the gist of the video is like what would happen if we got off this release cycle that we're on and Apple they updated the iPhone when they wanted to or I guess more realistically like every other year we got a new iPhone so the iPhone 13 launches in the fall of 2021 there's no iPhone 14 in 2022 we get it in 2023 like what if Apple waited every other year and I was trying to figure out like what, what are the pros and cons of that like would we be better off well, maybe then maybe we would get better innovation. We get bigger year to year, not year to year, but like every two year upgrades. Um, and maybe we'd be better off not getting a phone every single year. But on the flip side, I don't know if Apple can do that with how the competition is. And I'm not really sure how we got on this. Like there needs to be a new phone every single year. Uh, but now that we're in it, you can't abandon it because if Apple doesn't do it, Samsung's going to do it. Other people are going to do it. And for those wanting newer stuff, you're going to go with the newest phone. The other issue I was thinking about as I was sort of outlining these things is that you would maybe run into the issue where you'd start developing, like, let's say, Okay, um, Apple releases the iPhone 13 in 2021. We're going to start development of the iPhone 14 like right around then. Like we're going to start in 2021 developing a phone. It's a little tough to develop a 2023 phone that's going to launch in 2023 in 2021 because the tech could be different. The world could change. The software could be different. They might fall behind if they go stretch that release window too much. On the other hand, though, Apple is not afraid to do this with the Mac and the iPad. Those are two products I can think of, and even AirPods, I guess. They have other products where they sort of release updates when they want to, but I'm just not sure if that would work for the iPhone. I don't know if we're just too caught up in this rat race of new phones every year. What do you think? Do you think that there is a benefit to doing an every other year model or update it when it's ready? Or do you think that Apple has to stick with that just to keep making that sweet money? I think the issue is not so much Apple. I think it might just be the competition. It's that the whole smartphone arena is in this same issue or in the same race where, you know, with like you said, with the Macs, they'll wait a long time to update the Macs and nobody really bats an eye. Like, yeah, do we want to update? Sure, but we're not, it's not a big deal. But also at the same time, we don't, nobody really cares about the upgrade cycle of the Microsoft Surface or Samsung's, uh, tab or not tab but the uh what do they call the laptops whatever they call it galaxy book uh you know nobody even though those are updated pretty frequently as frequently as the macs nobody really cares about the upgrade cycle of those computers or even the mac when there's a new one we get excited about it but nobody cares when that happens the iphone or the phones on the other hand the iphone samsung google 
and that's about all the players right now that really matter. Um, they all are stuck on this same same thing, the year over year battle. And Apple's not the only one with this issue. Like I, I mentioned earlier, the Galaxy Fold, which I love. This is we're on the third generation, but the two to the three basically no difference they're the same phone pretty much the only thing is slight you know you got the under screen camera and you got 120 hertz on the outside screen or something like that but basically those are the changes like we're all in the same boat here google actually seems to be the only one that's changing things drastically and that's because i mean their phone phone is always confusing and confused about what it's supposed to be so they just keep trying stuff to hope that something sticks but you know i think it's just the phone landscape evolved into this and I'm not actually sure what they could do to change it really. I, I, cause, cause someone's going to have to do it first and it's not going to be Apple. And I don't think it'll be Samsung cause Apple and Samsung are really competing heavily. And if Google does it, well then who cares? You know? So I don't know how they would change. I mean, I, what is the end game here? Because you know, with the iPod, there were new versions and stuff and it was happening. Then the iPhone came out and that sort of eclipsed things. And the iPod line slowly sort of faded away. That's going to happen to the iPhone eventually. But until then, Apple's sort of obligated by their shareholders and by customers, and everybody has these expectations that every year keep pumping out those new iPhones. And maybe that would explain sort of the S year and sort of the TikTok cycle they used to do, where we're going to do a big update, then a small update, and a big update, and a small update. And, you know, it's almost, I almost, I hate to say this, I kind of miss that because at least you know what you were going to get. Like, at yep. least you know with an S year, it's going to be an S year. It's going to be smaller things. And when it's the next year, it's going to be bigger. Apple sort of abandoned that back with the, it was really with the 11 because there was the 10, the 10S, and the 11 came out. And then for the 11, 12, 13, it's been sort of a mishmash of like, it's kind of an S year, it's kind of not. It's just, it's, the iPhone lineup is confusing now and you just don't know what's going to happen. I think a lot of people are still sort of on that cycle of, expecting a big update and then disappointed when it really just turns out to be more of a minimal year. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess like you kind of said, I think the only way this is going to change is when we get something like the AR or mixed mixed reality headset, where if that finally starts to catch up and it really takes off and it maybe starts to eclipse, then we, we kind of saw this with the iPad once, you know, a few years in now they don't well, actually, that's not true. They do update it every year, but the updates are, Okay, maybe that's a bad example. But basically, if the something comes along that replaces the iPhone, then I could see those changes being smaller. Or at the very least, when they do make the changes that basically don't exist, like with the iPad Pro 2020, or the 2020 iPad Pro, not the 2021 one, but that one where they just added the second camera, <laughs> you know, those kind of updates, those are fine and nobody's going to care because we don't really care about the iPhone anymore. Sure, it's important. Everyone has one. Everyone's going to upgrade, but it's just not... It doesn't matter because we're excited about other things. I I, just, I don't know where we go with this. And I think that's interesting. And luckily, it's not our problem to solve. And I think that Apple, they're trying to diversify the revenue streams. Obviously, they're trying to get into um, subscriptions and services. And, like they're trying to grow that. But I feel like they need to do more so they're not so iPhone dependent. I feel like they've gotten better. Like I don't I'd have to look at like what Apple's earnings are these days, like how dependent on the iPhone they are. But for the foreseeable future, they're going to have to keep putting out those new models if they want to make money. And, you know, one of the benefits of this current system is that every year a new iPhone comes out and you can always jump on the train. It's like, okay, you got your older phone and you can keep that for as long as you want. But when the new one comes out, you always have an opportunity to upgrade and you always have a chance to jump on the newest thing. And doing it every other year might make it 
even longer to wait for an upgrade or you might not be able to get some of the newer stuff and there's you know cool technology you could take advantage of now that you'd have to wait uh, to do before or wait a little longer to get so it's a interesting problem to solve that i'm unsure what the answer is um yep. but i do know is that um you know having these yearly releases gets everybody very critical on what's going to happen and then when you have a case like this where the iphone 14 is kind of looking boring people like me start to complain because you just sort of wonder what happened it's like what went wrong here right or wrong that sort of made this a less substantial update and that's i think it's not so much the iphone 14 is going to be a bad phone it's just that since the 11 12 13 I guess really since the 10s, like they've all sort of been very small updates. We haven't had that year over year change that we used to have. And I just wonder why that happened. Maybe like you said, Apple just sort of, they saw what they needed to prioritize. They saw what would make the money. And they're like, okay, this, if we just change this, this, and this, if we give new colors, if we update the camera, we're going to make money and we're going to sell a lot of these. I just wonder what happened where there's not that big change that there used to be. Like where's our iPhone 10 moment? Yeah, exactly. I agree. And maybe the answer is there is none because we've kind of reached peak smartphone. Maybe it's going to take another three years before we get the folding phone that really takes us to the next level for the iPhone, at least. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because on one hand, I'm like, these products are excellent. But on the other hand, I'm just kind of bored. So hopefully this year we can see some other directions that Apple's going to be taking that aren't just strictly what we've had the last few years. But um uh, I think, unless you have anything else to add, we're coming up no. on an hour. Uh, great discussion today. Um, if uh, you want to get involved, we always love that. So again, we have that hotline. It's 949-354-3508. You can text it. You can call it. And it doesn't have to be about anything topical. It could just be a question you have. It could be about, it doesn't have to be about tech, honestly. If you just want to ask us a question, go for it. We'll probably talk about it on the on the show. Um, you can do that there. Oh, jeez. Hit, hit that very loud. Sorry if you heard that. Um, you can... You can also watch us over on YouTube. We have the YouTube channel where you can watch these episodes instead of just listening to that. That's called the Apple Circle Podcast over on YouTube. And you can leave comments there and we'll answer those questions as well. Same thing, go over on Twitter. Um, and let's see what else. Last thing, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy listening, then be sure to leave us a rating over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, just, you know, it helps out, let, lets everyone know that this is at least worth listening to, which, which hopefully it is. Hopefully you agree with that. But uh, yeah, anything else that you should add before uh, before we head out? Hey, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for watching, listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Apple Circle Podcast.